Novels offer the opportunity to study affective relationships and explore how these relationships come about. Within literature, affect is not only exemplified and constructed within the textual world, but manifests between the text, readers, author, and the historic and contemporary context of their narrative. For an idea, object, place, action, etc. to be affective, it maintains a close association with the subjective emotion and the opinion of the individual. It is brought about through impactful or repetitive encounters with whatever provokes the subjective emotion. Hello guys, welcome to our podcast. Today we're going to be discussing the politics of affect in literature between the two novels, Burnt Shadows, and also the novel Never Let Me Go. I'm Abby, and I will be discussing specifically the politics of affect regarding character, like creation and formation of identity in relation to personal and public history. And then Lucy, do you want to go ahead and state what you're going to be talking about and the facets of politics of effect for our audience? Hi, I'm Lucy. I will be discussing the theory of affect and the politics of affect taking place in Never Let Me Go, uh, specifically looking at how those manifest in large groups of people and culturally. But we'll come to that in our next episode. For now, we'll focus here with Abby on Burnt Shadows. So now I'm to discussing both of our findings. So like I said, I wanted to investigate the politics of affect in the novel Burnt Shadows. For our listeners that don't know this novel, it covers the story of a woman named Hiroko and her life journey living through intense political situations as a backdrop to the different stages in her life. So obviously our main character Hiroko has been exposed to many different things during her lifetime, starting out with the bombing of Nagasaki. She lives in Pakistan after the partition. She lives in Afghanistan during the Soviet invasion. And then finally in New York during the 9-11 bombings. So Hiroko has just been, you know, exposed to a lot because of her surroundings, which not good for her, but good for the example of effect. <laughs> I think it is a really great example of effect. Hiroko gets to experience so many large historical events, but we also get to see how, you know, she handles it and what, how she changes through these events and what stays with her and yeah, what, what takes her, what motivates her next decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no kidding. So after living through all these different events, what exactly does this mean? Hiroko's has her whole identity shaped by like these different events that are out of control going on around her. This entire political backdrop basically was controlling and manipulating her own creation of her character. And you know, she was only 18 during the events of Nagasaki. And I think it's important to note that, you know, she loses her her father and her fiance in this. Bond. Yeah, no so kidding. it's a it's a huge emotional change for anyone. You know, the novel doesn't really expand much on her life during and after Nagasaki. It jumps right ahead a few years. And then after that, um, she does move to Delhi a while after to, you know, be with her fiance's family. Sort of as like a stabilization point for her because there was nothing really going on. 
And at one point in the novel, she's asked as to why she moved. And, you know, she dodges this question as if it's not a big deal and states that she just didn't want to continue living in Japan, which honestly is a big move. Yet she seems so blasé about the fact, you know, her internal thoughts in this chapter paint a pretty vivid image of her not being able to continue living in her home after such a devastating loss. You know, she she had no mother. Like we said, her father was killed for being a so-called traitor to the state. And her fiancé was a foreigner that was pretty much the only willing person to have any sort of relationship with her, considering her community didn't or couldn't interact with her at all due to political pressure isn't exactly the safest or most friendly position. You make some really great points, Abby. I think it's also important to note how many cultural spaces she moves through throughout the novel um, and how her cultural difference, her cultural hybridity often sets her apart and um, forces her into some sort of social isolation as well. Yeah, especially considering the fact that, you know, she would speak in other languages just to have genuine conversations with the people around her because she didn't feel comfortable where she was. She had nothing to keep her grounded during these major traumatic events, not to even mention significant political and historical events. So why not leave, you know? If everything around you affects you in such a way that you can't even begin to pick up the pieces of what's been left behind, there's nothing preventing you from just floating around in search of something that will give you meaning which I don't feel like she really had at this point. Anyway, continuing on with the novel, um, after this, Hiroko then lives in Pakistan and is worrying for her son. You know, she's close to the age of 60. She's been married to her husband, Sajad, for 35 years at this point. And Raza, her son, is becoming increasingly nationalistic and disappears one night. And through this event, we kind of see, like, how much of her trauma is not just like physical, but is also affecting her mental state for practically since the bomb. She has like these shadows of birds that are scarred onto her flesh from where the color of her kimono absorbed the light from the atomic flash. And then whenever she's fearful, she describes like her fears and all her worries as, you know, birds. She does it repeatedly throughout the novel. And in order to emphasize on this point, I'm going to read a quote from the novel that I found. Her inner thoughts can't move on from this trauma, and it kind of morphs into this nightmare plaguing all her worries for the future. All Hiroko could think about was the bomb. In the first years after Nagasaki, she had dreams in which she awoke to find the tattoos gone from her skin, and the new birds were inside her now their beaks dripping venom into her bloodstream, their charred wings engulfing her organs. It just shows that her mind is literally plagued with his thoughts anytime she is fearful of moving on in her life. You know, she feels trapped. She feels let down. She feels like she can't do anything. She has no power. You know, you can't help but wonder how this is causing her to interact in all of her new settings. Like, she literally describes trying to raise her son and being absolutely petrified with fear about telling him of the reality of her life and her upbringing. And then the next quote I have here is, from Tokyo to Bombay, Bombay to Delhi, she never told him what an act of desperation that voyage was, and had always wanted to just seem fearless, fearless and transmutable. 
able to slip from skin to skin, city to city? Why tell him the momentum of a bomb blast that threw her into the world in which everything was unfamiliar? Nagasaki itself more unknown than Delhi? Nothing in the world more unrecognizable than her father as he died. Lucy, do you have any thoughts reacting to the quote or any initial impression upon hearing this so our listeners can understand just how absolutely devastating this is? Oh, I, I think that you've pulled a really, really impactful quote from here. Is this when she's speaking to Raza? It's right after Raza goes missing. Oh, So okay. she's frantically searching, you know, for her son. If I remember correctly... Prior to this, she had been having conversations with Raza where he was struggling with the hybridity of his own identity and the ways that he was both Japanese and Indian, right? So he's got bringing from all these different cultures. And in this, she's saying, I wanted, I had never told him um, what an act of desperation it was, but all of these parts of her benefited her in this process and now he's gone and it you can really feel how devastating this is for her the author is able to convey like she's like I wish that I was able to say more to him to do more for him and I think that I think it's really just like the description and the imagery and talking about how the bomb was the thing that like blasted her from country to country it wasn't her own will to fight and to grow and move on. It was this impact that was sort of rippling her out along the tides of her life. And she wasn't fighting it. It was just taking her with it. Her trauma was literally affecting her so much that Hiroko is still like desperate to do something when trying to, you know, get her son across the border into Canada because he's being suspected as a terrorist in the 9-11 bombings. And there's so much that she wants to do, but she's just unable to because of the situation where she just kind of, you know, combusts inward on herself because she doesn't know how to take control of the situation, especially when for the past nearly 80 some years, she's been floating around aimlessly just living out the aftermath of these shockwaves from when she was 18. That's just a really good way to emphasize the point and the politics of affect and how that just can create so much and impact so much. You know, we think of politics of affect as like, you know, for example, mental health or PTSD, we think of it as a by these things as a byproduct of your life. When we can, in fact, see that through Hiroko, this isn't a byproduct of her life. The politics of effect is her life. It's created everything around her. And I just feel that it's not a side product. It's not a sideshow. It's literally the thing controlling her from moment one. What do you think, Lucy? Um, I agree. The point that you've made that Hiroko has been constructed to, you know, um, exemplify these processes of affect and how affect is operating within history and our, you know, contemporary context as well. 
I think that it points to the importance of novels being able to highlight these processes because Shamsi is really able to demonstrate the effect of culture and the effect of traumatic experience and all these other things through Hiroko. And while human beings living in our world might not have the opportunity to experience affect in the ways that she did, it is important for us to be able to understand how affect functions through these experiences of life. I think it's very, very insightful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a very good closing statement. And I feel that we've really, you know, demonstrated for our listeners just how much politics of effect can really control things and not only inside literature but also the way that you take away from literature and novel as a genre so in our next episode we will be talking about lucy's novel that she decided to review which is again never let me go and we will be discussing more politics of effect hybridity um i'm really really trying to focus on how institutions and cultures can or culture in general can you know impact these processes of affect so we'll get into it i'm really excited yeah i'm really excited to to hear what you have to say too all right we'll see you guys in our next episode